We got a thing to do. We got a thing to do. We gotta push on through. We gotta push on through. We're gonna make it happen. Your mind unite. Oh. Welcome to Big Snackers. <laughs> so, uh, was that Bo Ricky? Yes, that was Bo Ricky with his song, We've Got a Thing to Do. Bo Ricky doesn't exist, Ryan, so quit saying that. This is an argument Justin and I have had, which I'd like well, to welcome you to episode eight, a milestone in podcast, because this is two months mm-hmm. of us talking bullshit with each other. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a milestone. You know, I always think it's weird because people in podcasts and um, what else, like, uh, I mean, well, podcasts mainly, they always celebrate like 50 and 100. Shouldn't it be 52 yeah. and 104? Because technically that's your year, two year. It should, you know? but they don't They don't know how to think properly. Yeah, I know. But I can confidently say I think this will be our best episode yet. Yeah, I think so. We have Eric Griffin calling in, who is a hilarious stand-up comedian. Just got his own Comedy Central special and plays Montez on Workaholics. Yeah. We have Nick Steinborn who plays in a band called The Wonder Years and just released his own solo EP and just got off an arena tour with All Time Low and Day to Remember. So hopefully we'll get him to talk some shit on those bands, but he's a nice guy, so we don't know. And uh, to get back to the theme song real quick, I'd like to say that Bo Ricky is an awesome 50s and 60s singer, and that's the only song I know of his. He is not. What do you mean? He's not a, he's, he's not a singer. He's not a real person. Do you think I could just make up a song that good? You've been look. You've been singing that song for what ten years now? Probably more than that, because I mean it's been around for sixty. I mean, what do you want? It hasn't ever been around. It's not real. It's not a real thing. Then how come when you and I had a band when we were in high school, you made a part of our message board with the thread name Bo Ricky? Because I was trying to find out if anybody had ever heard of him, and nobody ever has. And everyone had. No, not one person had ever heard of him. Why are you saying that everyone had? No one had. You know that. Yeah, everyone had. But I'd like to say, for the first time of Big Snackers history, I actually got snacks. Oh, what did you get? For the podcast, because I'm doing this live today from Gainesville, Florida, uh, the home of the Florida Gators, which no one gives a shit about, except a lot of people do. But also, uh, the Fest... 12, which is a huge punk festival that we played yesterday, and many great bands are playing tonight. But I'm sacrificing being in a smoky room full of annoying people <laughs> to do this podcast. <laughs> and that is a sacrifice. Oh, I bet. Who was it? Who are you but missing? I got, uh, I'm missing uh, no one, really. I'm going to go see Dillinger 4 as when we're done. But other than that, I'm not really that worried about it. Right. And uh, today, okay, I got one Mrs. Fields M&M chocolate chip cookie. I got a six-pack of golden Oreos because I might be one of the few people on the planet that likes them better than chocolate Oreos. Yeah, you're pre- that's pretty disgusting, man. That's not disgusting. It's vanilla. What's disgusting about it? It's gross. I mean, it's just, it just goes against the conventions of anything good about Oreos. Why Are you one of those you... people that got mad when the vanilla Frosty came out? No, I didn't get mad about vanilla frosting as long as they kept the chocolate cookie. But as soon as you start eating vanilla then cookie, ugh, fuck you. Don't be an, don't be an asshole. <laughs> just 
Just yeah. don't be an asshole your whole life. Oh, Just my gosh. Stop eating it that. It tastes better. No, it doesn't. You said you also taste- like the mint chocolate fucking Oreos, too. Yeah. Well, that's gross. Why don't you just put toothpaste in between two Oreos? I just don't understand what the point oh of it is. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, and then I got the pink frosted animal crackers, which any human should love. Um. Oh, yeah. Pink frosted animal crackers were great. You probably, got, got, you probably got ones that have mint on them or something. Gross. No, they're just normal. And then I got Keebler fudge stripes. What did you, why did you just buy, you just bought all cookies, basically? Yeah. Is that, like, I know, I don't even know why I'm asking this, I already know the answer. Is that your dinner? Yes. What? <laughs> well, no, actually, if you want to be so presumptuous about it, I also have two one liters of Diet Mountain Dew. Oh, well, you got all the bases covered there. An appetizer, I, main course, dessert, and Mountain Dew beverage. Yeah, you're right. I do. <laughs> and before we really get into today, I would like to continually thank everyone because our downloads are going up every week. And on this tour, people have told me how much they enjoy the podcast. I've been telling people about it. And we've been really moving up the ranks, which is honestly incredible. And we can't wait to keep on getting more guests and doing a lot of really cool stuff. So thank you for listening. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, this is honestly the most fun I've had in a while. I look forward to it every week, and I hope we can do it for a long time to come. Speaking of listeners, we could uh, answer a listener email thing. Well, not really email, but somebody asked a question on Tumblr. Um, so we get a Tumblr question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me is it a go. stupid question, or is it good? No, it's actually a decent question. It might be an okay thing to talk about because... We both, it's something we both know about fairly well. Um, okay. Uh, G- Jesus, I don't, I mean, maybe it's Jesus, but I think it's Jesus Mar Garcia. Maybe it's Jesus Mar Garcia on Tumblr asked, uh, What is your opinion on Weezer? Weezer. Um, you want to start or you want me to start? Well, I want you to stop crumpling that thing next to the microphone. What do you say? I want you to stop crumpling that next to the microphone is what I want you to do. <laughs> um, okay. Well, hold on a second. Let me go ahead and get everything open here for the snacks so I'm not making a bunch of noise. Okay. Look, there's six golden Oreos. Let me get this fucking cookie. Mm, yeah, there it is. Okay, there. No more noise. The world is fucking happy. I hate, that you have, I hate that you have a fucking pile of cookies in front of you for dinner. Why? Because what are you the, eating for dinner? I don't know. Probably going to have some tacos and a salad maybe or something like that. Oh, yeah, some tacos. And <laughs> no, not not pussy, brother. It's Saturday, man. My, Even the Lord rested once a week, bro. <laughs> My opinion on Weezer is um, probably not incredibly unique, but uh, when the Blue Album came out, I think it was like kind of your and I's perfect generation. Would you agree? Mm, yeah, I think so. And I mean, front to back, it's a flawless, great record. I think that kind of defied genre. I mean, I wouldn't call it pop punk by any means. I wouldn't no. call it pop, I guess pop rock, but I mean, yeah, it had an edge and there was really nothing like it at the time. Um, no. Every song's perfect. And then I guess maybe in the minority now, even though a bunch of kids for some reason want to act like they weren't, I remember to this day, I heard El Scorcho on the radio, mm-hmm. 
and I thought it was an amazing song, and I went with my dad to Circuit City, which I'm confident at this point, I'm, they're all shut down, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, they're totally gone. And I got Pinkerton, their second record, and I loved it. Um, I didn't even realize at the time I was so young, I didn't realize you know, that the record flopped. Yeah. Like, I thought it was a completely great record, and, and I loved it. And by the time the third record came around, the green record... I was older, and I remember I got it and kind of just felt disappointed by it. Mm-hmm. And then I looked more into what happened. I mean, from then on, honestly, I don't even need to get too detailed. I just think they never really captured what they had on the first two albums. Yeah. And I'm not usually the one to say, you know, oh, their old stuff's better. But I think after I read about it, from what I gather, and maybe you can help shed light on this, I know that Pinkerton was a very, very personal record for Rivers. Yeah. And when it flopped and people didn't like it, I, I've read basically that he just went under the mindset of like, well, forget this. I'm not getting personal anymore. And just went to write, wanted to write pop, like perfect pop songs. Yeah. I, uh, Which uh-oh. I don't deny that he's done. I just, I'm not really into it as much. No. And I think, well, yeah, I feel the same way about the Blue Album and Pinkerton. And I know when it ended up failing or whatever, also because all the songs on there were about like people he knew, I think didn't he end up like kind of having like a weird breakdown and like locking himself away for a while because like everybody hated him kind of because he like wrote all these songs about them and didn't tell him he was going to yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, I think he went kind of crazy as the Blue Album is an amazing record, but the lyrics are very kind of vague and kind mm. of just like aloof and they're great. And then Pinkerton, it's like, I mean, he was literally singing about these detailed people that he'd had sex with and sent him letters and Mm -hmm. it was so personal to him and it kind of flopped compared to the blue album, which nowadays you would never look at a record like Pinkerton and say that it flopped. But at that time it was considered a failure. So for the green album, you know, he wrote hash pipe and Island in the sun and was just writing these pop songs that were basically meaningless with no personality into them. And they're really well-written songs. I just, it was never the same to me after that. So people always have their argument of Blue Album or Pinkerton, and I I always used to show you back and forth, and I've realized as I get older, it's just neither. They're just two amazing records back-to-back back that mm-hmm. most bands should be so lucky to be able to write two records that good in their career. I just think, I mean, they should have just... Honestly, uh, Blue Album was a great way to open a career, and Pinkerton is a really great way to close a career, so they probably should have just I completely stopped. agree. But... And they've made good songs since then. I like the first three songs on the Red Album. I liked... Ratitude was terrible, but I like the one single off of it. Yeah. And I, at this point, this is what I think about Weezer, honestly. I say I like Weezer because even though I haven't liked anything they've done in years, those two albums are two of the best albums ever. Yeah. And at this point, though, I think that not only am I not sure if Rivers is kind of making a parody of pop music or if he's serious, is that I'm not sure that he knows. No, I don't think he does because he... Even, like, at interviews and, like, when he used to have that blog and stuff, like, back when he was doing, like, solo things, he still didn't seem like he knew what it was that he wanted out of all of this. And that's fine, but, you know, I mean, honestly, they're just, that band to me now is a band for children. Like, they make songs for kids, basically. That's what I think it is. Well, I remember the point when I when I realized this is I downloaded Ratitude when it came out because I liked the single, If You Want Me To, or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is a cool song. It's whatever. 
And there's that song called Can't Stop Partying with Lil Wayne. Oh, God, yeah, that song. The song is atrocious, <laughs> like literally, it's insane. And the, the chorus is just literally Can't Stop Partying. And obviously, like, the way it sounds, you just assume it's like a satire. But it's almost like he's enjoying it to a degree, and it's not a satire, which if he is, like, that's fine. It's just that the Weezer train dropped me off after Pinkerton, and just the music they made after that is just not for me. Yeah, if you want to hear... um. I would say if you want to hear Weezer continue and actually be as good as Pinkerton, I feel like maybe it's like you either have to go, well, not as good as Pinkerton, but still continue making like good music. Like really, if you just listen to the rentals, like what Matt Sharp ended up doing with that was a lot better than what Weezer ended up doing after he left the band. And Matt Sharp, if you don't know, was the bass player on the first two records. And also, I think that was part of it. They lost is all the quirkiness of those high harmonies and all the mm-hmm. goofy background vocals. Yeah, because uh, as our theory, the actually, our theory, we, we uh, actually, you know what? It just reminded me of is we have a theory about what happened to Weezer that we used to toss oh, around okay. all the time, and it's that yes, after Matt Sharp left and they got that fucking creepy ass bassist that has the slick back hair, and, and every the biker jacket. yeah, and every interview that we ever saw him, he was like saw with Weezer. He would be like sitting on the end of the couch or somewhere in view of uh, mm-hmm. of Rivers, and it looked like he was like holding him hostage. Like Rivers is held hostage, and he's not allowed to write songs like that anymore. And this guy is in control of the band completely. Even though, I mean, he's been in the yeah. band longer than the band. You know, the band was around during the Pinkerton years and Blue Album. But still, I think that that guy has something to do with it, and I, I don't know. I agree. But maybe I, Rivers also, has, like, Stockholm Syndrome from being around this guy for years, and he just bought into it. That's possible. I was going to say, I still love the first two records, but the nail in the coffin of me just caring at all was last year. I went to see Weezer in Cincinnati at a festival here. And they just, I mean, they honestly sounded great. They played the songs perfect. They had no energy, and they just so obviously did not care. No, it's a paycheck to them now. There's nothing left to it. I'm, the weird thing about that to me as someone who also is in a band is that they don't need money. They have enough money, I assume, unless they wasted it to last them for the rest of their lives. Right. So I don't know why you're going through the motions when you probably don't need it, but I guess I just, I mean, I could be misreading them, but I can't imagine they cared. Like they just were like, I don't think they knew what city they were in. It was just not fun. I left halfway through. Yeah, I agree. It was, uh, I don't know, to me it was just like, embarrassing kind of like you know to watch that it's uh, even the the fucking um like the cash in that they did um with like doing that those those shows where they played the blue album and pinkerton like you know back to back like one night there yeah. one night next or the next album the next night um it was it was just a soulless money grab there was nothing to it like who you yeah. know and then they re-released pinkerton in that double uh, that double expanded edition that's on um, vinyl, and it's supposed to be like B sides from Pinkerton, but there are not there yeah. aren't any like there are yeah. no B sides from that album. They wrote new songs and put it on there. I know that for a fact. There's no fucking way because everything on that album was like you know on the album. It wasn't. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I just think that Rivers is not, and I don't just mean because he's older. I just mean mentally is not the same person he was when he wrote those, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I just don't... It's just not for me. No. So that would be my opinion on Weezer. Yeah. I don't think they write terrible songs now. They write songs that 
I have no interest in. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. So that's, uh, I mean, I guess that that kind of sums it up, right? That was probably too long of an answer, but we answered, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so that's uh, there's your answer, Jesus Mar Garcia. I hope that that was, um, um, you know, I hope that was uh, sufficient for you. Eric Griffin's supposed to be calling in a few minutes. We can't start anything big. Um, I want to talk about some video games later, but I will say right now, a game I'm very addicted to on my phone mm-hmm. is a, a game made by Adult Swim, actually, called Gigantic Boulder of Death. Oh, I've heard of that. Uh... It's not a bunch of different from a lot of games. I mean, phone games are what they are, but it's just more fun than a lot of them. Um, you can spend real money, but unlike a lot of games... You really don't need to, and you can get really far and even beat the game without spending any real money. It's free. And basically, you're just a huge boulder rolling down this hill, trying to roll over things. But the more you do it, the better you get. They add more and more things, and you can jump. And I know that sounds so normal and simple, which it is, but it just is more fun than most games, I think, because Adult Swim put the money into it. That it just feels more like a more thought-out game, and it's not cheap, and it's really fun to play. Yeah, I um I I like a lot of like I don't know, there's a lot of good like phone games and stuff now, especially like um oh, like on like Android and stuff, they put out a lot of like independent games. I know the iOS system's a bit tougher to get stuff onto whereas Android they like anybody can upload whatever the fuck they want, which leads to a lot Unfortunately, of Unfortunately, I will say that as an iPhone user I like my iPhone, and for band stuff and tour, it works great. Mm-hmm. I do like Android iOS more, in theory. Yeah. It's just whenever I've had an Android, I, I can just honestly say they've never worked as well and sturdy as my iPhone. But I do like Android more. If it worked better for me, I would have an Android. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally agree with that. Like, I, I have an Android, and I like it a lot. But I do understand the um, I do understand the advantage of the iPhone. It's just that it's... It doesn't matter what phone you fucking buy. They're too fucking expensive as it is. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I don't want to spend $600 for an iPhone to have another iPhone come out the next year. That's, you know, but right. it's an iPhone thing. is just more responsive yeah. and sturdy, but I hate how much, yeah, Apple makes it impossible to do independent things, and that sucks. Um, what was I going to... Oh, did you have you played the game Oregon Trail? Uh, the zombie one or the normal one? The zombie one. I have it on my phone right now. It's yeah. great. I've been playing game, it on the store. The game is awesome. That's the one it I've been playing le- recently. It was part of, uh, like, there's this thing called the Humble Indie Bundle that they do, like, every couple of weeks or whatever. On, uh, I've heard about this. Humble, bum- hun- hun- yeah, HumbleBundle.com. And, um, Humble Bundle Bubble, baby. <laughs> I think you should submit that as a uh, jingle for them, maybe. Humble Bundle Bubble, baby, buy my game. You might play it and you'll never be the same. Oregon Trail with the big green zombie. You could call me Rob Zombie. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, if anybody ever sung a song like that with that voice and they told me I would never be the same, I'm pretty sure I agree with them. Like, exactly. whatever but, they're going to no. do to me, I'm never going to be the same after it. The, the zombie organ trail is great. You were one of the characters on there. You died, though. What the fuck? Why did you kill me? I didn't kill you. A zombie killed you. I'm sorry. I tried to get you a med kit. It's hard. They're, they're scarce. I Yeah, you're on my game, too. You know? But we got, mm-hmm. ma- we got married, I and I just don't understand, like, why you don't... 
Did I get dysentery? No, we got married on the game. No, we didn't get. You can't get married on the game. Ryan, I did. It happened. I'm sorry. But Justin, you literally can't. Not, marry unfor- each other unfortunately, on the game. unfortunately, I have to tell you something is that it carries over into real life too. So. No, that's not how this yeah, works. Yeah, uh, actually, I, I contacted the developers, and I have the letter right here, and it says... Okay. first of all, because you fake married me in a game that you can't get married anyways on Android does not mean that we're now married in real life. Okay, I don't want to have to sit here and explain the law to you, but that's exactly how it works. You know what? Which one of us went to law school, Ryan? Neither of us went to law school. You're right, but who... Has looked at more law schools online. Probably neither of us. Well, I think you got me there, but I think you know where I'm going with this. I honestly don't have a clue. If you could tell me, that would be great. Yeah, I'm telling you that uh, where I'm going with it is um, to a lawyer, because I don't know if I want to be married with somebody who's so unresponsive to my needs. Okay, first of all, I live in Ohio, where gay marriage is not legal. I know, but I, I, um, I did it out of state. Remember, you're, go- you're going to Oregon in this game. No, no, I don't even know how to respond to this. Yeah, so get ready. Get ready for when you so, come home. Well, we're waiting for Eric Griffin to call in. Uh, his stand-up is great, but we'll talk about that with him. Let's talk about Workaholics. Are you a Workaholics fan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I think it's great. It's my second favorite comedy, I think, out right now, Behind the League. Yeah, and, I mean, you can't really judge them, obviously. They're such different shows, but I love them both. Yeah, they, they do have a similar to a degree I vibe mean, yeah. to it, you know, like a similar thing. Um, yeah, I love that show. I love his. I mean, obviously, he his character Montez has become like quickly become like the favorite, you know, side he character. Has, even though he's not one of the three main characters, he is a main character. Oh yeah, and his delivery is just impeccable. Yeah, it's the best. But I think that actually, I don't know. I want to ask him about this, but they had a spin-off like I don't know if it was a web series or if it was on um like maybe it was on the DVDs or something but um it was called The Other Cubicle and it was just starring him and the guy who plays Wayman that the Asian guy Yeah. Yeah, I don't I didn't see it. I want to watch it. I I plan to do a lot of things this past week and none of them fucking happen. Oh, you plan to do a lot of things this past week, huh? Uh, yeah, I don't understand what you don't understand about that. Go on. Well, I planned to watch that, you know. I planned to uh, read more books or read this book that I got and stuff, and uh, I didn't do it because I was busy trying. I was busy doing the one thing that I never want to do, which is read. Um, celebrity gossip websites so that we would have things to talk about on our podcast we did we bleed for you our listeners yeah. we decided yeah. we're going to get more in since we're considered now on itunes and have really big ratings we were considered a pop culture podcast so i don't know why i said pop oh we have yeah. a call coming in i believe this is eric griffin oh good you hear me now yeah all right perfect all right i was saying like a call it was crazy all right hey <laughs> hey we uh this is kind of unique because I'm on tour right now, so Justin and I are already doing this long distance. I'm in Florida, he's in Ohio, and wherever you are, we are all across the country. Oh, I'm in San Diego, so there you go. I was just there two weeks ago. Where were you playing? We played uh, Soma. 
Oh, all right. I'm at the Comedy Store in La Jolla. Nice. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for coming on here today for a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Well, no problem. <laughs> Justin and I are both big fans. I guess I just want to talk about a few things. Um, first of all, your album is great on Side One Dummy. It's absolutely hilarious, and I've listened to it a lot in the past few weeks. Oh, tell me more about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually was curious, I guess. Um, I don't want to keep, make this too formal in an interview. I'd rather just chat. But what's interesting yeah, to me sure, sure. is uh, Side One Dummy is a label that I've just been playing in bands for years. And it's, you know, more of a punk rock label. And I didn't, I mean, I don't, I, I believe you're the first comedian they've ever put out. And I was just kind of wondering how that came about because I think it's really cool and interesting. Well, actually, uh, the owner, the one of the co-owners of Cyborg Dummy, Joe Sib, I mean, he's basically the, the brainchild behind that. You know, Joe is trying to actually become a comic himself, so he's just been around comedy for the past few years. He was doing, like, podcasts, and, and he puts on a comedy show. He puts on a, the Bare Bones show at, at different places in L.A., so he's just a comedy head. And then we just started talking one day, and it was something that he had thought about doing, he wanted to pick the right person to do it and you know i guess with my small amount of notoriety from uh workaholics it kind of was a good fit and you know it's great i'm, I'm really happy with uh, you know working with the label I, I work with them all the time now with other things too besides uh just that putting out that album like i'm interviewing side one dummy bands now we're going to be putting out this video podcast for that and you know so it's a lot of exciting things and so it's just because of his energy his enthusiasm for comedy is the reason why that happened. And what's more punk rock than a comic being on a punk rock label? I agree. And I think what's really cool with that is that Joe Sib is someone that played in bands that I looked up to when I was a kid. And now full circle, I'm interviewing you a comic on his label. And it's just so cool the way the world, you know, can interact with each other. Cause Joe Sib has been in great bands and it's cool. He's getting into stand up. Is he funny? Have you seen him do stand up? Yeah, you know, he actually, we were in San Francisco, you know, I, I didn't, I, I should have read my Sidewind Dummy contract more closely because it says that he has to open for me on the road. Uh, so that's pretty easy. <laughs> One downside. Right, definitely, I understand <laughs> now, that. You know, he's getting there, you know, I, I tease him, but he's getting there, you know, it's just, it's just a process, but he's got, you know, good enough work ethic. If you've been in a band or if you've been in like other forms of art and you've been successful at it, then you understand the work ethic and what it takes to uh, achieve success. And so he's on his way. I will definitely say that I know nothing about being a comic. Justin here, my other host, does stand up. I literally played to a thousand people yesterday and was not nervous at all, like in our band, but I can never even imagine getting on stage and doing stand up comedy. Like that's terrifying to me and I could never do it. Well, I mean, just because it's terrifying to you doesn't mean that it's not something that is, say, easier for someone else. And then, like, just like how you said, you know, you're playing in a band in front of people. So, I mean, it's just, to me, I don't get nervous unless it's all about the stakes. That's when I get nervous. Because so I, I could be in a little country bar in some little podunk town. But for some reason, Steven Spielberg is passing through. So that would make me nervous. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's understandable. Um so about workaholics, obviously, uh, I listened to a few interviews of you recently and just tried to get more of an idea because I really like your stand-up and I like your character and just to see the kind of stuff you were into. So, I mean, are you obviously I feel like you're thankful for workaholics, which your characters become 
one of the definite favorites. Do you, are you completely happy with that or do you still want to focus more on your comedy or do you just like trying to balance them? Uh, no, it's a definitely a balance because they're different and I like them both. You know, I mean, Sportaholics is great. I'm always going to treasure that lucky break uh, because of that, you know, that, that makes everything else easier. You know, it's like, because of workaholics, my you know I, I get better gigs to do stand up, which I love. So they go hand hand in hand. Uh, I would I still want to do both. Uh, you know I still want to be in my dreams to be in a network sitcom. You know and I want to do be in uh, movies and I want to continue to you know get my brand out there and get my brand of comedy and just be make people laugh. You know that's what I love to do. So I, I still would do both. Absolutely. I was going to say, Workaholic seems like a show that kind of just caught on by storm. Did you guys ever think it would really do that well, like from the beginning with how outrageous it was? I can't imagine that they thought that. I, mean, <laughs> I certainly didn't think that. When I uh, read the, the script, you know, I just thought, okay, what is this? You know what I mean? There's no way that they're going to allow this to, but, you know, hey, it worked out. Yeah, we were kind of talking yeah, about... Those, like... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Justin and I were kind of talking about how I think the two funniest shows out right now are The League and Workaholics. And while they're not really similar, I think they're two shows that if you just read the script, you'd say, A, this is way too much of a niche type of thing to work, and B, the networks will never allow this. And I think it's cool that they kind of just showed that there's like a demographic of people like that don't have to. It's not just always like the normal. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, a show about sure. th three normal guys at a job. And then a show about fantasy football, and they're both hilarious, and they've just taken off to a degree that I don't think anybody ever would have thought. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Comedy Central didn't even dream that it would happen like that, but I'm glad that it did. You know, especially on a site like Comedy Central, because it's like, you know, because it's like, you know, they can no longer say, "Well, you have to be a name" and all this. No, I guess it just has to be funny, and they have to know its audience. That's exactly, yeah. I guess in that way, it's, yeah. I guess in that way, it's kind of like being in a band where it's you don't have to have a name if you have good comedy or write good songs. You know, like people will come. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Exactly. But it's like there's this fascination with youth, and then like that just just doesn't work with comedy. You know, that's the one place where like that is just not. It's not okay not okay just to have somebody young and expect that to work right maybe it'll work with a band maybe you know maybe having some young kids being a band and like you know people be like oh this is so great but you know in terms of comedy it just it's comedy it takes a, like a mile it takes experience and it takes like someone that ha had lived to to relay things that people can relate to but, like, you know, the TV, they, they keep telling you that, oh, there has to be this young hunk guy, you know, with a flannel on that, that hasn't lived, you know, anything. And, and they wonder why that stuff doesn't work. They wonder why people aren't laughing. They wonder why. It's right. It's amazing. That's a very interesting look on it, I guess. I never really thought of it like that. Well, there's a, there's a comic. Um, uh, this is Justin. Hi, Eric. Um, this is What's uh, up, man? Sorry, I talk too much. <laughs> There's a comic Sorry. named Bo Burnham that he became a YouTube sensation when he was like 16, and then when he was yeah, I know Bo. Yeah, I can't like. Th there was a part of me as like doing comedy for a few years now, and there was a part of me who was just like, I don't like this because this kid, he didn't earn this spot that he has. You know what I mean? Well, it's not. 
okay, see, it's not even about this. I know Bo. I was actually in, uh, I was actually in, uh, in 2008, I was at uh, uh, Montreal, and he was there at the same time. Right. Here's the thing with that. See, Bo was doing, like, this very outlandish, outrageous thing. You know, he was, like, a 16-year-old talking about Nazis and whatever and making these funny jokes. Now, it's cute when you're 16. It's not cute when you're 12, 25. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and that's, and that's exactly why, you know, you, you know, you can get away with that stuff when you're young. Now he has, now he's an adult. Yeah. So now it's like, hey, people are going, uh, you can't say that, man, or whatever. It's harder to please people now when you're like an older person, you know? Oh, I, I agree completely. So I thought, like, uh, I thought it was like, that's what I mean is like at first it seemed to me like, you know, they wanted they wanted to put somebody out there who was younger who they could bring in on Comedy Central as far as like a special goes, and I mean he was good at what he did, but I think now that he's older, I think that having that weird experience of being in front of that many people and having his own special and everything that young has really made him a like a really strong comedic presence. It's weird, like I I don't know, there's something weird about it, but I, well, I mean it happens. I mean everybody, you know. You, you, the younger you start, the better you're going to be. I mean, it's like it's not a it's not a rule. You know, he's just an exception. You know? Right, right. You, you, you can't look at the exceptions and be like, oh well, this is how it should be. He's just, you know, he's just a really talented person, and it's you know, and then you have people that are like that, you know. But I'm just saying, it's like you know, it's like it should be. He's talented for his talents, not for his age. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, to chime in on what you guys were saying, and even like you said about not having a big-name star on Workaholics, I think just in 2013, with just different ways of communicating and transferring technology, it's almost like many times I've gotten in arguments with people about our band where I'll have an idea, and I'll say, you know, we should do this. And somebody will say, well, I don't know if you should do that. Like, every other band does it this way. And I'm one of the few people, I feel like, that's just like, well, who cares how that band did it or that comedian did it? I think it's cool, though, that well, a lot of like the internet and how fast we can get things out there has like subtracted. It's also added where you can try things different ways, and you don't necessarily just have to fail and never get a second chance. Right. I mean, um, you know, I mean, the social media and the internet is like you know, it's 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 making people more visible, but it doesn't mean that you know it's necessarily going to last. I mean, there still has to be something there. I mean, there, there there's. The idea of people getting a 15 minutes of fame is not a new concept. That's something that's no. been around for a long time. It's just now that the 15 minutes is happening faster and it's going quick. You know, it's it's up and it's down. I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, Vine. Vine has made people into stars, and so right. what it's done is just op- it's opened doors for those people. But now they have to break the door down and uh, you know, and then really produce, continue to produce. Not everybody can. That's, it's a- that's the thing. That's very true. I was going to say the 15 minutes of fame now, it just almost seems like a literal 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's like maybe 15 minutes was like six months before. Now 15 minutes is turning into like maybe like, you know, a week, you know? I mean, bands, you know, bands don't have 15-year careers anymore. I mean, I think the perfect example, honestly, of our generation, literally of just everything we just said compromised into three minutes is that Friday song by Rebecca Black. That is it. <laughs> that song is like, she literally came out of nowhere, had the biggest hit in the world, and I think within one month, that rose and fell and was done. Well, I mean, it ha- like I said, I mean, it ha- that's happened 
that's something that's been going on for ages and it's going to continue to go on. Exactly. You know, it's like, what, I mean, like I say, I always say, what does it matter? You know? It doesn't. I mean, that's, that's just it. You know, but it's because what, because what people complain about on our side of this is you're really complaining about why do people like that type of thing? I mean, that's really what you, you know, like, that's what the complaint is. And you just, people like what they like. Yeah. As an artist, you just have to make sure that you, you know, you're okay with, maybe you'll have, you know, a hit and then maybe you won't have hits, but you're doing something steady and consistent. That's the thing. As long as you're being consistent with your, your work and what you're doing and getting things out there, you know, you're going to have a model of success, but not everybody's going to get that superstardom or whatever, whatever that, uh, that it factor that takes that to, to happen. And it's just like, there's no, there's, there's no right or wrong way. And there's no like rule. Yeah. I, people I get into these that. kind of businesses and think that there's like some sort of rule, like Mr. Hollywood's going to give you your turn and it <laughs> doesn't work like that. You know, it just doesn't. No, that, that makes perfect sense. That's a very cool way to look at it. I agree with that. I was, uh, so you're on a punk rock label and we're talking punk rock, but, uh, we usually every week talk about a lot about music and music recommendations, but, um, are you big into music? What have you been listening to recently? You know what? Because I've been interviewing these, uh, these bands on side one dummy. I'm kind of really into these side one dummy bands. Like I just, I just interviewed, a, there's three groups that I like right now. One of them is not on the label, but three groups I, uh, that I've been into, uh, in LA, they had this thing uh, called um, what's it called um, School Night. It's at the board Bordeaux or a bar, and what it is is like these, it's some it's a little bar, and these like big bands come in, and it's like like right before they get signed, or that like their albums coming out in a week, and they do this little acoustic set, and then they go on tour and they blow up, you know. But, right. Like I just saw a group there uh, a couple months ago called Goldsmith. There's these, there's these little, there's these kids. They're like, they're, they're, a, they're a family of four. There's like a, the base, they're all brother and sister. The lead singer is this girl, she's 16. And the bro- oldest brother's 20. The drummer's 14. The bass player's 17. And, and they awesome. just, they have this great album. I, I, they blew me away with their live performance is what I'm saying. Their right. live performance was so good. And I was like, I became a fan of theirs. I was following them on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. Now they're blowing on us. <laughs> their, their album came out and they're blowing up. What's the name um, of the album? But then on the name was, uh, uh, Talking Dreams. Okay, cool. Cool. And then now on Simon Dummy, uh, the Restorations they have their new album out and they are such a great band. They, they are really so awesome. good. They're playing uh, the Fest, which we're at right now. I watched them two two nights ago. We're playing in Gainesville at the Fest, and they are here and they're amazing. Yeah, they are really an amazing band. And, um, you know, because of doing the interview, I knew a little bit about them and listened to some of their tracks, but then I really, like, got into depth about them. And I'm telling you, like, the guy's a poet. You know, you have, oh, to, yeah. read, you just have to read his lyrics because you can't necessarily understand them when he's singing, you know, because of that, the way his style. But when I sat down and read the lyrics, I was like, man, this guy really has some stuff going on in his life. Yeah. <laughs> and the guys just turned out to be really cool down to earth guys, you know. They you know, they got girlfriends, so they you know, they, they one of them's married and they they travel around this van and they're just really cool down to earth dudes, but they're just really uh talented and I, I, I highly recommend people going out and listening to the restorations for sure. I agree. Their album is called is it L P two? Yes, L P two and they got some great 
weird names, and they have a song called D. Yeah, yeah, they do. I was gonna say just I don't letter, know. Just the letter, just the letter D. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, Restorations kind of reminded me of a band who's one of my favorite bands of all time called The Hold Steady. Oh, I haven't heard it. I, I have to check that out. I very strongly recommend you check out The Hold Steady if you like Restorations. It's almost much the same except even more of a poetry to the point where I just think I know Justin agrees uh their singer's named Craig Finn you can tell a that he's been through some shit in his life and b he conveys it in a way that I think me and most singers probably wish they could oh yeah 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 I I, you know it's like this is what I mean like you just go um you just have to like people with the internet and the social media and all this it's like it's like you don't just listen to a, a you know a band um music anymore you now can like really get into everything about them if you really put in some work absolutely just a clear like these bands a lot of times are a click away from really getting to know them and really getting into depth about what they do and where they are and how you can see them live and find their music and you know so you know i think i just think it's great, but that fucker, like I said, the Restoration is a really good band, and it was funny, they, they got together, and they just wanted to be local, they just wanted to be this little local band of where they're from, and just play, play some, and then Five One Dummy got a hold of them, and they're like, damn it, now we gotta go out on tour, and like, you know, <laughs> and they're out, you know, and they're out there doing it, so like I say again, I, I highly recommend people checking them out, and the other band is, the, the other band is Dresses. Yes. Not, not the Dresses. Just dresses. <laughs> I keep getting in trouble with that. They have a great <laughs> album out too. I've heard very good things stuff. about dresses. I've not listened to them yet. It's like, it's like a young, they're like a young hip sound, you no, know, but they're this couple, and I I love their album so much, you know, Sunshine, and um, they just they it just because there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like in one song, he'll start singing the first verse, and then the girl will sing the rest of the song. Like, there's no, like, there's no, you know, formula to it. They just, they're in like there, that. they just, how they do their music, and it's great. I like that a lot. It's cool. I, I think, also, like you said, because of the internet, I was going to say, uh, the band Diamond Mixtape started the same way as we made an album, put it out for free, and our goal was literally to play local shows. Like, we didn't start a band to tour, and now I'm in Gainesville talking to you, and we've been on tour this entire year. And it's pretty amazing how... See, that's how it goes. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's completely insane. When you started doing comedy, was it like... I mean, comedy obviously is different, but did you plan on it being like, you know, I want this to be my career? Or was it a few years in and you realized like, okay, this is now, I feel it. This is what I want to do. Well, you know, I had stopped for a I, I tried, and then I, but then I, when I look back on it, I can't even say I really tried, so it was just like this time when I got into it, it was like in 2003, I was like, no, I need to, I need to like, I want this to be my career, so I needed to do all that I needed to do to make it happen, so, you know, comedy's just a slow grind, you know, it's just, it, I mean, there's rarely some overnight success in comedy, it just doesn't work like that, because comedy is about building your, your reputation, and getting people to know your personality. Like, people have to fall in love with your personality. They have to get to know who you are. And that's when they start to, they, you know, follow you as a comedian. And then, you know, then, then from there you can get a break, you get on a show, or, you know, you, 
you do a special or something that you know, now you build a fan base. It's just it's comedy's more really really a slow grind. True, and you have a special now on Comedy Central, right? Yeah, but that's that's different. That's not necessarily like. And like I want to do like an hour special where it's like my own thing, you know. When you I do those comedy specials, it's really associated with just Comedy Central, you know. It's like it's their, it's their show, you know. It's called the Half Hours, you know. And it's like I just was one of the people on their show. So I want to do my own thing. So that's the next, that's next on the agenda. Well, I think you were very close to being there. If not, I mean, like I said, the album is completely hilarious. And I, I guess I just realized maybe we keep on making this comparison because it's easy, but hopefully not. But I feel like being a comedian would be harder than being in a band, like you said, your own personality, is that, honestly, you can have a lot of bands that sound the same, and people will like that style, so they can all do well. As a comedian, you have to have your own very distinctive personality, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, you know, and again, it's a business, you know, it's still the, it's still the entertainment business, so there's a lot of other things that go on there, too, you know, like, image is important, you know. I think that the I think that the the prettier comics don't think they have to be as funny, and the funny comics don't think they have to be as pretty. And there's, <laughs> it's not you know it, it still is a very much an image an image business, you know. So there's a lot of things about it that you know, you, you know getting to know people and, and getting in the right getting in the right rooms and do, you know doing the you know doing the right type of material. I mean, there's just a lot there's a lot to it, and that's why not everybody makes it, and not everybody should. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Are you uh, are you married in real life? No, no, no. I was gonna I was say how how, how much. Sorry, go ahead. I was close once, but now I'm just really focused on myself right now. I'm, I'm, I'm just really wanted. To you selfish, to selfish forward. man. I know. Hey, <laughs> denying all these ladies uh, out agree, there. I agree. Nine. I totally agree. I'm selfish as hell. I was gonna say, how much are you like Montez in real life? Is there any relation, or is that a? No, there... not a, not a, not really. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I I could be outrageous, uh, but you know, that's just like I guess like you know, like in, that, it would probably be an alter ego if anything. You know, this is the kind of this I, this is me saying crazy stuff. You know. That, that that's all that is. I mean, I think every part that you play, there's a little piece of it that has to be you because it's really it's you. You know, you're you're still yeah. playing that part. It's your interpretation of the part, but it's not necessarily you. Yeah. So people are oftentimes a little surprised. Cool. Some something I've always wondered. Which again, I want to thank you because this is a newer podcast, and we've honestly been getting an insane amount of feedback and climbing up the charts, which is cool. But you're the first kind of actor to come on here and talk to us because it's only the eighth episode, which Thank oh, you very great. much. I really appreciate oh, no it. Problem. And uh, we've been getting more downloads than I ever thought, but I've always wondered, do you watch every episode of Workaholics when it comes out? Um, yeah, I do. I, I actually I actually find Workaholics funny. Uh, um, not, not a lot of people are on shows that they don't find funny, or, or it's not their demographic, you know. Right. They have a buddy on people. I don't think that he watches it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, like that, you know. So, no, but Workaholics is funny. And, you know, and I'm not in, like, every episode, so... You know, I'm discovering, and then even like, even even if like I have seen the script of an episode I'm in, I'm only in like a little bit of it, and then then when I see the whole episode, I you know it, it cracks me up. I mean, the guys are funny; they're funny guys. You know, they they they're the new three stooges, I like to say, yep. and um, they got great chemistry, and uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, the future is bright for them. That's awesome. That's just, Justin. I know you had a question about a podcast or something, right? Uh. Not not about podcast. Actually, I wanted to ask you. Um, you were on the new season of Arrested Development, right? 
Uh-huh. What, how did that come about? Yeah, yeah, we, uh, because the, the creator of Rest of the Dome, like, he was actually on an episode of Workaholics. Oh, okay. And he, was a fan, and so he was just a fan of the boys, and so he wanted them to do a cameo on the new season. And then he just is a fan. He liked, he loved my part on the show and thought that that would be, you know, if you've seen, if you're a Workaholics fan and you see that episode of Arrested Development, the moment you see the boys, you start to flip out. You're just like, oh, it's them. And then when you see me come out, then it's just like, ah, and it makes it even better. <laughs> you know, so that was really like a little inside joke for Workaholics fans. Right. That's awesome. Uh, that is great. We, we, that is cool. We're also a, uh, we do, a, we're kind of a pop culture podcast. So we have a question each week that we're going to ask people, a different one each week. And since we have you on here, we're going to ask you what your feelings about the fact that Ja Rule is bringing out a cookbook of microwave recipes that he made in prison. That's true. Wow. So, wow. I mean, would you buy it? Um, no, I, yeah, I don't, who would, why would you even buy, like, what is the market for that anyway? Like, you know, who's the demographic of people that are going to go, ooh, yeah, the Ja Rule cookbook for microwaves. Like, that That sounds absolutely ridiculous. Like, first of all, you're not even supposed to use a microwave that often anyway. Like it's really bad. Like you should use a microwave as less as you can, at least amount of time as you can with the microwave anyway. But like, what are the recipes? Like, oh, he, that just sounds like some lazy shit. That's what that is. He said. Gonna... He said he gained thirty pounds in prison because of the food he was making, and he has a recipe for lasagna and cheesecakes. That's the only ones he lists on his thing right here. <laughs> Like what is what is the recipe? Is part of the recipe going to Ralph's and buying a lasagna and just putting it in? Is that? <laughs> I don't know. He said he did it all in prison, so he. D- I don't know what he was using exactly. Like, like he couldn't possibly have like. Can you imagine saying, you know, buying all these ingredients for uh, by at, by scratch and then making it and then putting it in a microwave? <laughs> no. <laughs> That I well, can't be. What I was, what I was gonna say is, now, now I want to buy it to see how ridiculous <laughs> it is. Well, I was gonna maybe say, that's part of the marketing strategy. That's possible. I think, I think a huge problem he didn't think about is that the only people that are gonna be buying this cookbook are people not in prison, and most likely, if he's using prison ingredients in the microwave, you could probably just go to the frozen food section and buy a lasagna that tastes better. That's what I'm saying. Like. <laughs> Yeah, like what are your what are the ingredients going to be like? You know, toothpaste. Uh, you know, is it going to be like make some prison hooch in your toilet and then take that? Like, I don't understand. I don't. Yeah. Wow, what prison was he in that he was able to make lasagna to put into a microwave? I'm more I'm more interested in how he made a cheesecake in the microwave. Yeah, like. Because first of all, with a lasagna, you have to cut up ingredients so you don't get a knife. So it's part of his cookbook going to be like, crush these tomatoes with your shoe, <laughs> and then mix them in a hat or something. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this sounds like a. It sounds like something that you just have to. You have to witness it. So maybe that's part of the strategy. See, it should be a TV show. That needs to be on the Cooking Network. Oh, that, that wow. I would watch. Right? That I would but, watch. But I would really want to watch it. 
from prison. Uh, <laughs> he needs to. You, you need to see him make. Yeah, I just need. Let the set. The set has to be a cell, just so you could see <laughs> how this is made. Uh, As a matter of fact, I, I, if someone doesn't hear this and make it into a TV show, someone is seriously fucking up a potential hit show. Yeah, that is a hit. Cooking that, from prison with celebrity prisoners. Ja Rule. See, I was going to say, the most confusing thing to me about the whole thing isn't even the cookbook. It said I didn't realize Ja Rule went to prison because he was always one of those rappers. Yeah, I always thought that everybody just thought he was actually kind of soft. What did he do? Do you know, Justin? Yeah, what did he do? Illegal gun possession. Oh, oh that's all. Yeah. What a stupid police that's, that's nothing. Everyone goes to prison for that. Lil Wayne has like nine times. Yeah, like uh, T.I. went to prison for that same thing, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Now, Lil Wayne, there's a rapper at this point I would love to have a cookbook from. (laughs) Do you listen to any hip-hop, Eric? It would only be good if, like, if it was one of those books that when you, you know, like, you opened it up and it talked, you know? (laughs) And then it was in his voice, you know? So you'd be like, you know, a pound of butter. (laughs) (laughs) I pictured, okay, when you said that, I pictured opening the book and first saw a big pop-up bottle of codeine cough syrup comes up. Yeah. (laughs) And then then you just hear all of a sudden from the book, like, first of all, this is the first ingredient in every recipe. That would be the main ingredient. And everything. Yeah, I just looked looked online. Ja Rule became an expert on microwave cuisine in prison. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. An expert. First of all, is that a field that you can call yourself an expert? Yeah, because if that's the case, I'm an expert. You know, like, <laughs> oh, like, who's not an expert? Like, oh, I don't get. I really want to see what some of these. Oh, I want. I just. I really looked, want to see some recipes. I tried to find some. I couldn't. I don't know if you guys could. I just looked online too. I couldn't find. I found a few interviews with him, but I couldn't find any recipes. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're, I mean, I think he's just holding them all back until the book comes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys knew this before we close. This is real. You can check on Amazon. That's even maybe worse is that there is a new cookbook also that literally is a cookbook of things you can make with semen. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, oh. wow. And here's my question. You know what? I hate to bust everybody's bubble here, but. Uh, it was just a joke. He was only kidding during the interview. Oh, oh no. It's probably not real? <laughs> yeah, he goes, the power meter was a joke, but I am a microwave master. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he adds that in there. Like, but I could have made it if I wanted yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, that is, that's just ridiculous. Okay, I'm, so, I'm glad to know that that was just a joke. because <laughs> I'm bummed to know that that was just a joke. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, what were you saying about semen? Well, I, was, I was saying that. I was going to say, I feel like that has less of a demographic than the Ja Rule cookbook. I mean, who's been waiting for that to come out? The semen cookbook? Well, I mean, how, I much think, are, uh, how much semen are you getting? Like, where are you getting it from? Yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, where are you, where are you shopping for semen? Is that like a... <laughs> you need like a... I don't... I don't ew. Yeah, that would be... But I hear that's supposed to be good for your face, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let me let me make sure this isn't fake. Okay, yeah, I did look it up. This is not fake. It is on Amazon Prime right now for twenty two forty six. It is called Natural Harvest, a collection of semen based recipes. Does it say if it's on Kindle? 
It is on Kindle for nine ninety nine. Oh, good. I'll be right back. I gotta. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it, yes, it, it has here. four stars. I need to read a review. Well, can I tell you what I love is the the first sentence in the description is semen is not only nutritious, but it also has a wonderful texture and amazing cooking properties. <laughs> well, there you go. That's going to be why you know. That's going to be my reason. That that if this isn't. A reason to tell your girl, you know, hey, come on, you have to get some more semen in your life. Then that that sentence alone is an endorsement for just blasting a load on your your face. <laughs> I was gonna say I need to read this out loud. I went to a review of it. This is a five star review from Tio. Uh, the the title says it's an acquired taste. I don't think I can read this without laughing. He says. My girlfriend and I just love this cookbook. She takes care of the actual cooking part, and I'm responsible for the gathering of the ingredients. We were delighted to find the ethnic food sections and are exploring the Asian cuisine this week. This is, um, I, like, I'm now, I am fascinated by this right now. <laughs> just their description, like what it says here, once you overcome any initial hesitation, you will be surprised to learn how wonderful semen is in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am uh, I'm hooked. Like I, I have a good mind to buy this book. This just seems like, like that's it's a like... great book. That's a great book just to have in the kitchen when you invite a chick over. <laughs> <laughs> that is right there. That is that, the way to see it's the just on the counter. And then everything you hand her, you go, here you go. <laughs> oh be okay, this one too. These sound like they're jokes, but they're not. It's like I cannot stress how enthusiastic I am about these recipes. The light touch and gentle stroke of the wooden spoon as one caresses ingredients together results in an explosion of taste. <laughs> wow. Was that written by Ja Rule? That was written by Buzz Nelson. Let's see what else he bought on Amazon. Can we check? It's $24. No. Okay. The, Buzz Nelson, the Rotary Review, has bought two things on Amazon. He bought... A collection of semen-based recipes and axe-styling hair chip. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even know what to even say. This is just, this is really, this is insane. <laughs> big, big Snackers, Eric, you learn on Big Snackers. You learn. We're here to learn. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is like, I mean, I don't know. If you're not fascinated by semen-based recipes, like, what, I mean, I don't even know what to say, maybe, maybe it's like when you put alcohol, it, like, burns away, so it's not like, you know, if you don't drink, there's no real alcohol, but it's like, man, I would hate to have to think you can get freaking HPV from a cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> a cheesecake that you made in the microwave. Yeah, right? With semen. Get, yeah. The, the cover of that book, though, just looks like, I just feel like, oh, is that like just a glob that. of cum on yes. top of it? You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just like the, the, the cookbook is, the cookbook is, you make a regular cheesecake, and then you just put cum on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> like that, I'm looking at it like right that, now. It's unreal. Like, everything in the cookbook, that's what it is. That would be, I don't, I'm just. I don't know what to say about this. I'll tell you I'm this if you're worried about this cookbook. If you got, if I you're mean, honestly, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like a coffee cake or something. Yeah. With just like this drizzle coming down the side of it. 
Yeah. Right? Like, is that it? Like, ugh. And here's what I'm still wondering. I wish I could look through these pages. Like, where are you getting this much semen from? Where did, well, what is going yeah, on? I, I actually well, have I, a... No, no, but what I want to know is, like, how much semen do you need per recipe? Because, like, maybe there's a recipe that calls for a half cup of semen. You know, like, is there a recipe that call for, like, you know, you know, I mean, what is the semen replacing in regular recipes? <laughs> okay, you know, actually, out of curiosity, I went to the one-star reviews. Yeah. And, uh... A review by Sam. <laughs> Please tell me. Hold on. Can I guess, Ryan? Can I guess that it says not enough semen for my taste in these recipes? I wish. It's yeah. not that. It says, I found this book to contain some acceptable recipes. They're all too complicated for my sophisticated taste. A far more versatile and utilitarian recipe that is more filling and tasty than those in the books goes as follows. They give their own. Hold on. Ingredients. Two tablespoons semen. Preparation. Place the semen into a cup. Total preparation time for this is no more than 15 minutes, sometimes shorter or longer, depending on the individual acting as the ingredients. Oh, this might be a joke one. Unless that, that's their whole recipe, is just semen. Yeah, like it could just be that it's like a funny book. And some of these recommendations and reviews are freaking hilarious. This one guy writes, some of these dishes are actually delicious, but I would not recommend for... And for a planned romantic evening, I was tapped out if you get my drift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. This one is definitely serious. This is by Rachel. One star. You have got to be kidding me. Not to mention that supposedly it has a different flavor depending on what is eaten beforehand. How do you plan to address that? What's next? Cooking with our own blood, urine, feces? Just yuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, I think that that's the thing. It's just a gag gift. Is like it? it says every, yeah, because it says every recipe is just a normal recipe, and at the end it says to add a tablespoon of semen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just okay. Wow! Again, we, we this is your podcast has turned into MythBusters. It is. That's we true. literally this is MythBusters now. Look inside. Oh, and did you? See, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's not serious. It needs to be serious, but well, no, it doesn't. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Why? What are you saying? <laughs> Never well, mind. Just forget it, okay? I always, I always no, do this. No, you can't. You can't take that back. It was said. It's out there. Don't call me out like Justin. This is what Justin does. He always gets yeah. me in a corner. Well, when you just clearly, you clearly, yeah. you clearly stated that you need more semen in your life. I don't need more semen in my life. I just said if it was a real book, it would be interesting. That's all. <laughs> so you're telling us that you took it out of your cart then? No, well, I didn't take it out of my card. Well, what's, what's great is, this is what I love about this book, is the what other customers buy after viewing this item, and these books are hilarious. One is how to live with a huge penis. <laughs> the, the next one is semenology, the Siemens bartender's hand guide. Is that real and or is that a gag book? Then, and then the next one is a practical guide to racism. <laughs> a practical guide to ra I'm looking at that and next to it I see the, big the, book, the the next one is a book perfect for you images you should not masturbate to <laughs> did you also see the two that I'm seeing right okay this is my favorite this just is American culture right boiling down to a T a practical guide to racism to the left of it is a big coloring book of vaginas right. to, to the right of it is how to eat stinky pussy. 
Uh, ew. Uh, what is how to eat it? Ooh, drunk, I guess. <laughs> a practical guide to racism just makes me think of like I don't even know. An expert. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. What, I, 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 I'm still baffled about the yeah about the semen recipes. I'm just uh, thank goodness that that's not real because I- are there are there people out there just like you know. I guess that's a good joke, a joke book, but this semenology book. Well, I was going to say, am I reading this completely wrong? I went to a practical guide of racism and it says, meet C.H. Dalton, a professor of racialist studies and an expert on inferior people of all ethnicities, genders, religion, and sexual preferences. Oh, there you go. Well, there's always some idiot. I mean, look, that's just, just put that in the mind comp section. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like, an expert on inferior people? Like, what? Yeah. Is that a degree? Do you get a degree for that somewhere? Yeah, there's a dickhead in every town, man. And then here's a review. This book is fantastic. It takes a sensitive topic like racism and makes it hilarious for everyone. Like, no, that's not good. Well, maybe if it's, if everything's facetiously. If it's a satire book, yeah. Maybe it's a yeah, sad yeah, yeah. And I can, I can understand that because people are too sensitive as it is right now. I do agree with people that. People are too freaking sensitive, and it's like you know, get over it. You know, it's like it's like it's like political correctness is it was invented to combat humor. True. I was actually going to say before we do wrap this up, we've talked way longer than I thought we would, which has been great. I think we've myth busted some things. We've talked semen. We've talked music. Um, we've talked about your obsession with semen. No, 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 no. That was an accident. That would take a lot of episodes, though. <laughs> was it an accident? Was it an accident, or was it a Freudian slip? <laughs> well, yeah, a little this, a little that, you know, put it all together. Tomato, tomato. Yes. But anyway, go on. I was going to say. We got to wrap it up? Yeah. <laughs> As a, uh, like you said, people are too sensitive anyways. How do you feel about comedians that tackle racism, which almost everyone seems and do you think it's different for a black comedian opposed to a white comedian as opposed to like Hispanic or anything like what's your take on it in general well I just think that you know you just can't be apologetic you know once you're apologetic about anything that you're saying then people recognize that you're being apologetic and they feel like you're not supposed to be saying it either so I just think that if people have their own fresh take they have like they're being genuine about what they're saying and uh, you know if it comes off that way then I think everything in bounds. It doesn't matter who you are. So do you think uh, that it's pop, that nothing is too far as long as you can either A, back it up, or B, turn it into a funny joke? Or do you think some well, things are still off limits? Well for, me it's, well, for me, it's all about perspective, you know? Right. It's like you, you can't, you know, people just hear, people hear buzzwords and they don't hear anything else that you're saying. You know, they're not thinking. They don't want to use common sense. They don't want to use judgment. They just hear buzzwords, and that's it. Like, I used to have a joke where I'd say, like, I don't like being a designated driver because it's like taking care of autistic kids at the end of the night. You know, I would right. say that. And so, so now, am I talking about autistic kids? No, not yeah. at all. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about using how autistic kids act and saying that people that are drunk act similarly. Now, is that offensive to autistic kids? Like, but if you, that's all people hear. You understand what I'm saying? Right. I agree with that. I think as soon as people hear autistic, they don't care about the joke, and all of a sudden, like, he's making fun of autistic people, and that's wrong. 
when yeah, really, yeah, that's all they hear. What you're saying so is that's, when your friends are drunk, they, as people who don't have to deal with autism, are acting like people that are mentally handicapped, and that's kind of sad. Exactly. And that's not offensive. That's not <laughs> offensive at all. And I, I but grew people up, just hear, you know, people hear, and I, and I often say that it's about, like I say, it's about perspective. I say I have a joke now that I talk about this the very thing is that. You know, when you're as a comic, we we look at the light, we look at the world through a microscope, meaning that we zoom in and we hear see all the little minutia, and then it changes our perspective on something. Right. I mean, we're insensitive. It's just perspective. Now, here's an example. I'm looking out. I'm, I'm watching the news with a buddy, and those three girls that got kidnapped in Cleveland come on the screen, and he he casually says. I'm surprised how attractive they are. And I immediately say, well, you're not kidnapping ugly chicks for 10 years. <laughs> you know? Fair. That That's fair. You know, I mean, I would have been surprised if three fat girls would have walked out. You know, that would have been more surprising. Just Well, especially if they managed the... to stay fat for 10 years. Right. Imagine the grocery bill. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying... <laughs> That's just perspective. Like, am I being insensitive to that? No, this is just. And, and then another thing I hate is like, when I've gone now, I've turned this into some make believe thing. And now it's like, oh, people are just dumb. They just don't want to laugh. They just don't think that, they don't understand that some people deal with things differently. I agree. Like, some people deal with, some people deal with tragedy in different ways and don't discount how I'm dealing with it. Now, yes, there are some things that are insensitive, there are some things that, People are saying things for shock value, uh, you know. Yeah, but it's like it's a certain setting that that's what that's for, and it's like you know, it's like people want. It's like it's like Baskin Robbins. They have thirty-one flavors. Just because you don't like one flavor doesn't mean then then don't buy that flavor. Go get the other thirty. Well, no, I definitely agree, and I think I don't think any topic offends me. I think it's like you said. Just have a point to what you're saying and do it from a good perspective. Like you said, just I think just being intelligent. And being intelligent, I think it just means being a good comedian. And I think being a good comedian means you can talk about anything and it's not offensive. It'll at least make you think or be well, funny. All, my point is you're always going to offend someone. It's how you deal with it. That's the measure of your character. Right. Wow, we just got real deep after a long conversation <laughs> about semen. I want to hear Semen leads to uh, once again. He brought up semen again. I just want to point out. Yeah, we okay. weren't even talking about semen, and you brought semen back. Just gonna just throw that out at you. Well, right welcome. I'm not gonna talk about semen for the next month of my life. Okay, and one of you guys yeah, will. Right. And at that point, we'll realize that I don't know. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> so, Eric, yeah. uh, do uh, you do you have any talk, guys? Yeah. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything coming up that uh, you want to tell people about? Well, you know, season four of Workaholics, and I'm traveling a lot doing stand-ups. If you go to my website, ericgriffin.com, you can see my schedule, and I'll probably be coming to a town near you. Are you coming to Cincinnati? They'd like me there, so I'll probably be back there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was a very fun chat. All right, no problem. Good times. Let me know. You know, just uh, keep me posted, and uh, I'll talk to you guys another time. Sure. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. Right. See you later. All right. Goodbye, gentlemen. Bye, Bye Eric. So that was Eric Griffin, everybody, and uh, you should go to his website and watch Workaholics, and um, I don't know, probably go see him if he comes near your town. 
he was he was a joy to have on. He was a very funny man. Yeah, he's really nice. He's awesome. That was a really long, was very much nice. longer interview than I thought was going to happen. It it was. It'll be much more interesting than our next one. But before then, um, let's talk about two things I'd like to address. Okay. Number one, the movie Bad Grandpa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what what would you like to address now, about it? Don't get me wrong. I thoroughly, honestly enjoyed all three Jackass movies. I thought they were good. Whenever they come on TV now, I'll still watch them. And uh, I like TKY. I mean, I don't know how you feel about all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I liked it for... I, li- I mean, I like it for what it is. I never saw the third uh, Jackass movie because I just didn't care about it anymore, you know? It was... I mean, I, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where you never saw it, but you already know. It's exactly whatever you think it was. That's what it was. Right. Oh, I'm sure. I don't. I don't imagine it's like anything different like at all i'm sure it's no, exactly it's, it's the not. same and it's entertaining but uh what i was going to say is the grandpa skits were probably some of the least funny ones in the entire movies yeah i agree and i just don't know the point of making this entire okay don't get me wrong. The idea in the previews of seeing this like person that these people genuinely think is a grandpa so these situations is funny yeah but how on earth is that going to sustain an entire feature-length movie? Because uh, from what I, mean, I what, do you think? what I've read of it, or read reviews of it and stuff, they kind of did it in like a Borat type way, where it was like uh, you know there's like a stupid story that goes along with it, where there's like interstitial parts between the parts where they're doing like all the public stuff, you know, like the prank stuff. That makes me less excited. Oh, absolutely. I don't care to see a movie movie. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to see something like that... A I movie just, within a movie. Yeah. I don't... I don't know. Like, the whole thing, I don't care about it. You know what I mean? At all. It just doesn't interest me. I understand there's going to be an old man with his balls hanging out, and there's parts Making where... perverted jokes. Yeah. And, like, neglecting a kid or whatever. Great. It's all shit that I've seen before, and I don't... You know... I don't know. I didn't even realize. I it's didn't even know that. I've seen in Hamilton. Oh, yeah, <laughs> actually, as a matter of fact, I um, see that by my house all the time. It's nothing new. Yeah, I, I don't really get it. I don't understand what the point of them making that movie was or putting it out. I I didn't realize that the Jackass name was still that strong. Like, is it? I don't know. I mean, no, I don't think it is. I don't know. Like, who? Okay, I mean, let's think about Jackass. And that's the problem is whenever they've made a spin off spin off from Jackass. Yeah. Has it ever really worked? Wild, Wild Boys is the worst show ever. Mm-hmm. Steve-O by himself just can't carry anything. Like, he just isn't... You just... Steve-O's the guy that's like... He can't really act. He's not really genuinely funny, but he'll just do whatever crazy shit you put in front of him. Right. You can't center a TV show or an idea around that. No. And then Johnny Knoxville is a good personality. Yeah, and, and I but, mean, he's, uh, you know, I mean, he's not like, I don't know, he's not a great actor or anything. I mean, I saw The Ringer, man, and that was pretty funny. Like, oh, stop it. No, I just think it's like, I don't know, he's just so one, everything about that is so one note. And I know, like, well, Viva La Bam was really popular and shit like that, but... That was years ago. I mean, they, they, it aren't. It isn't kids who 
let me ask you a serious question. All right. What will Bam Margera do next? <laughs> Whatever the fuck he wants is what I've heard. That is the right answer. I think it's like this. I mean, what I've heard is Jack that he'll let his from CKY. I was gonna say what I've heard is that he'll what? let his friend get really drunk and drive home and kill himself. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, that was something. That car looked unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh yeah, there was nothing left. And honestly, it was a true tragedy because Ryan Dunn, I mean, honestly, to me, was probably the funniest person of the whole crew who had the most bright future ahead of him to actually branch off and do other things. I agree. I'm, I am I completely agree with that. And Bam Margera just sucks. <laughs> He's, I don't, like... Like, what, what does he bring to the table? I mean, for him to end up being the most famous person out of all that... Which I know people are listening to this article and be like, well, he has more money than you, which is everyone's defense hey, when guess, they want to complain but don't know what to say. Yeah, it's like, guess what? Everyone has more money than me. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, I'm what? broke, and that's fine. But, like, my point being, like, out of everyone in Jackass and CKY, like, how was Bam Margera the one that made it? Like, okay, he's a professional skateboarder, but he's not really that good, and he's not funny. He's an asshole, like, to his parents, and people just think it's funny. Right, I I, I honestly think like, and I this kind of goes back to what uh, Eric was talking about in the interview is that like he was he was young and he was a good looking guy that they could put out there as the face of something, you know what I mean? Like, I agree with Johnny that. Knoxville's too kind of goofy, you know. He's not really like the he couldn't really be the face. I mean, yes, there were tons of girls who like I would always hear when Jackass was really popular, like they thought he was like the hottest thing ever. Oh, but, I'll tell you right now, I think Johnny Knoxville's a good-looking gentleman. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd take it. You gave me 24 hours. Um, but uh, Wait, if I gave you 24 hours, yeah, what would I happen? Think, well, what I was going to say was that, uh, yeah, CKY started. And then, you know, there were how many? Four CKY videos? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't really... If you, if you don't, if, if you don't know... Uh, what happened was CKY were the skate videos that all those guys used to make back in the days that did like jackass type stunts and mixed it with skateboarding. And then MTV petitioned them to do the show Jackass based off that, which interestingly enough, if you watch CKY, you know, Johnny Knoxville was not in them. And correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but they didn't even know him, right? MTV kind of gave him as the face at the time. Yeah, I think... Didn't they just kind of... I think they knew him, but well, he was from Texas, so I don't know how much they knew him. But I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, it was kind of like a setup thing because there were a lot of dudes that are in Jackass that weren't in CKY, and I think that caused a lot of like friction because some of the guys who were in the CKY videos didn't end up being on Jackass because of that, right? Yeah, I, I believe you're right. I just think the problem is CKY. The first one came out what 15 years ago. Yeah, probably. And now, 15 years later, like they haven't expanded their brand to do anything different it's the exact same thing that it was then yeah and so it doesn't appeal i mean that kind of thing will always appeal to people but youtube exists now so i can go you can watch dumb motherfuckers do stuff for free now like you don't have to watch yeah, a bunch of Taj yeah you've got every Taj ripoff and it's just i guess that generation is kind of getting more wiped out because they're not bringing anything new to the table what was that awful show on mtv where the kid died and the um, the one about the rednecks in, like, West Virginia or whatever. Oh, oh, man. What was that show called? Hey, what was the show called on MTV with the redneck kids? Buck Wild. Yeah. 
the fucking that that right there is was supposed like Jackass was just a series of a bunch of dumb things that they were doing. You know what I mean? Like they had personalities and stuff like that and people like that. People yeah. that that Buck Wild show was a huge success for MTV, which makes no sense to me because it was essentially just a reality show that's on every other channel. Like, yeah, they did dumb stuff, but like then there would be a part where they'd be like like where the producer would set up whatever the story was going to be that week. Like, my, I'm going to help my grandma make her fudge business successful by jumping this truck <laughs> over a swamp. Like, this is fucking <laughs> so stupid. True. I hate, like... So true. And that's the, actually, that right there goes to, like, the root of the problem is I don't care about bad grandpa. Good for them. They're making that. What I care about is that kids now are sold the dumbest shit and they think it's real life like people honestly think like that that show like the kardashian show and stuff like that that that's how those people live they don't that show's set up everything's set up everything's written for them like everything that's done is written for them and yeah i mean even the real world the oldest the first few seasons were real until they realized wait a minute if we make these people have conflict we'll have better ratings and that's when mtv started being like all right Let's get ourselves a house here. We'll get a bro that likes to drink, a mm-hmm. girl that likes to drink, a black guy that's kind of a thug, uh, a white redneck racist, um, a gay guy, and a homophobe. Yeah. And and we'll throw him in a house. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll manufacture drama by following them around with camp. Like, you know, it's just like it's the same thing as like when you watch like the later iterations of that were like Jersey Shore and stuff. Like from the beginning, you could tell that all those things were being fed to them by producers. That's what they're supposed to do. They wouldn't have, like, multiple takes of things and everything would look different if it was happening all in real time, you know? Absolutely. But these, but that's that's not, I mean, that's not here nor there. I don't care about the editing or the production of the show. I just think that it's dangerous because this is presented as reality, and it's not reality. Like, none of that is reality, you know, at all. And, like, all these kids now are growing up thinking that, oh, if I do this thing, then I'll be on television and I'll make a lot of money. And it's like, no, what reality well, yeah, television just... is there for is it's it's inexpensive to produce. You get paid shit to do it. And then after that, your life is basically going to be probably pretty terrible, honestly, because people see who you are or who they think you are, and then they treat you as such. Right, I agree. And what's sad is I think you nailed it is that that's not reality, but so many kids now want that to be reality, and it's just kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's so about to bad grandpa. I'll fuck that movie. <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> yeah, that's my, uh, my review of it is don't ever watch that movie. That being said, I'm probably a complete hypocrite because I so badly want to see that new Sylvester Stallone uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Why? I don't. How does that make you a hypocrite? I don't know because it's. I mean, it's not like that looks like it, like some awesome great idea. I just think no. it'll be good. No, I mean it's a stupid action movie. There's a difference there. I mean, That's I'll true. watch That's a dumb true. action movie over a jackass thing any day. Right. But, however, I want you to know that you have done something horrible um, from last week when you were talking about the Medea movies, because yeah. there is a movie coming out next month called Medea Christmas and it stars Larry, uh, it stars Larry the or yeah Larry the cable guy 
No, it doesn't. Yep. Medea and Larry the Cable Guy on screen together. That is the apocalypse. Yeah, see what you did by mentioning like new Medea movies that didn't exist? Tyler Perry whipped one up in a week and made... Fuck and... you, Tyler Perry, <laughs> for listening to our podcast. He does. He reviewed it. He said it was good, but it needed more Medea. <laughs> oh, my lord. Oh, you know what we need is we need a new Nutty Professor movie. No, we don't, because <laughs> what we need is a new Norbit. Stop it. <laughs> I think we're getting off track. People probably don't know what we're talking about right now. You, oh, we you're about to you're gonna off. tell me that people don't know about Norbit, the most popular movie ever made. <laughs> uh, I think we're about to get a phone call right now. Oh. Okay. From Nicholas Matthias Stamborn. Hello? Nick. Yeah? Hi there. What's up? How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Say hi to Justin, my uh, other host. Hello, Justin. Hi, Nick. So, what are you doing right now, other than being a piece of shit and sleeping all day? Whoa! Hanging out on Facebook, you know? On Facebook. Important stuff. Important stuff. So, Nick, um, I have a few questions for you. Justin, is he coming through okay? Can you hear him? Yeah, I can hear Okay, cool. So, I mainly don't want to talk about your main band, because people already know you. You're in the Wonder Years. And I would prefer to focus more on your solo stuff, which we'll talk about in a second. But you just got back from your first arena tour, correct? Uh, yes. How was it? It was arena-y. Very big, weird. Honestly, it was kind of like Warped Tour, but inside. Right. So was it weird, like, just pulling up to an arena every day, knowing that you're one of the four bands about to play in an arena every day? Uh, it was at first. Uh, it, it actually was kind of uh, nice to, you know, in a, in a way, because we had the same sound guys every day. So... You know, even though it was a big room, it was weird. Like, you know, I could at least get on stage and things were fairly consistent every day. Did you uh, get lots of groupies? Uh, at least 1,000. I kind of lost count after that. A day or the whole time? I mean, I, I already told you I lost count, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, we were talking about snacks earlier, which we don't usually do, and people always ask me why. So what are you gonna have for dinner tonight? Oh, I already I already had dinner. It was uh, my mom and I split a Monte Cristo stu- uh, sub and a steak stromboli, which there's still a lot of left. Nice. But that does sound very good. You're our second guest today. We just had Eric Griffin, who plays Montez from Workaholics. He was very funny. That's pretty awesome. So now you have to be very funny. Are you ready to be funny? No, he's like professional funny though. <laughs> That's true. But mainly I want to talk about is because you just put out your own solo EP under the name Why Bother. That I did. What's the name of it? Why Bother? No, the name this of the EP. Very good. Sorry. <laughs> what? Uh, this isn't very good. Oh, oh, that's the name of it. This isn't very good. 
Um, I was going to ask you to tell me some things about it. I think you kind of set yourself up for failure there, Nick. Well, it was more so a, a playful mocking of a comment that uh, everyone's best friend, Jason Tate, from the wonderful website Absolute Punk, left on my first EP. Oh, Jason Tate and I have had had words before, so I understand how you feel. I, mean, I don't have an issue with him. I just thought it was really funny that the third person of threat from the last EP was him saying that it wasn't good. Right. I think it's a really good EP, but I think people should download it. And I wanted you to come on here and talk to us about it because you play everything on it, right? Uh, yeah. I had to cheat and use fake drums, but I could have played them. I don't believe you. Believe in Justin? No, not at all. Yeah, I don't believe you. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair... That's fair. Whatever. Now, I want Justin, because you guys don't know each other, to ask you a few questions. We're going to ask you the same questions we asked Eric Griffin and see how you handle and respond to these. Well, it's, it's, all right. it's actually kind of upsetting because now we know that the one thing isn't real. Well, yeah, but Nick can't know that yet. Oh, okay. Um... So, Nick, I wanted to ask you, uh, I don't even remember what I asked him. Uh, the Ja Rule. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that Ja Rule has a microwave cookbook coming out? There's a microwave cookbook coming out? Yeah, like where he's made up recipes that he made in the microwave while he was in prison. <laughs> microwave in prison? Yeah. We didn't, we didn't know that either. It seemed kind of fancy. Like I've heard, you know, people get like TVs, but a microwave. Yeah, he's... yeah. Do you even have a microwave? Uh, I, I would. I would hope he has some good, good recipes in there. I don't know how creative he get in prison. I'm not a big fan of microwaves, so like I, I wouldn't be opposed to trying out some of his recipes. So would you buy the book? I wouldn't buy it. Would you download it on I your would... Kindle? Uh probably not. I, I mean, I would look at it once. Okay, that's a good answer. Um, also, there's a book on Amazon called uh, Cooking with Semen, Recipes Based with Semen. What do you think about that? I'm not sure why someone would write an entire book on that. So you're saying you would understand if it was more of like a pamphlet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Okay. That's a little weird. A book with a lot. It's a lot of recipes. It is. Okay, and so I think now... that's a really specialized ingredient, so a book might be a little overboard. Okay, so now, gun to your head, which one of those books would you uh, buying use? Oh, I'm for the microwave recipes. So it's because you're a homophobe, then. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Back to the topic at hand, honestly, I actually do like your solo stuff, and I think more people need to hear it, but what are your main, obviously the Wonder Years and Why Bother, I imagine, are completely different writing processes, and people already know the Wonder Years enough, so like, what are your main musical influences and why bother? Like, What stuff are you trying to bring to that that you grew up listening to and that you like? I mean, really, I just try to not rip off, but ideas from a lot of bands that I like. Uh, mostly, I really, really like Rock from the Crypt and Hot Snakes and pretty much every genre I've been involved in. 
but uh, it doesn't actually end up sounding like any of that. Right. So, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but... <laughs> uh, Justin and I are big fans of all those bands. I know in all that world of music. At least I'm pretty sure Justin is. Yeah, I am. And so basically you just want to make rock and roll music. Something in the vein of rock and roll. Then, I mean, the first EP, I was really, really trying to rip off the top things. Right. There's a lot more, like, kind of different angular guitar riffs and stuff. And then this one, I went a little more melodic and started using pedals and done stuff. I think the new one is a lot of, better. It's a step up, and I really do like it. I, I also think that, and I hope other people agree. Right, well, that's why I wanted to have you on here, so people can download and listen to it. So where should people go to hear and get a copy of the EP? This isn't very good. Uh, the actual Dan Camp that a digital version will be on is getthisrightrecords.bandcamp.com. But it will also be on iTunes. I believe it will be on Spotify. And it's also out on a one-sided 12-inch LP with a screen print on the blank side. Okay. Awesome. And those are at coldcutsmerch.com slash why bother. Coldcutsmerch.com slash why bother. Awesome. What do you have coming up next? Anything you would like to plug? What are you guys doing? Uh, We're about to leave for Europe on Monday for two weeks to play Work UK and Work Europe. Are you excited to drink really small sodas with no ice and no refills? Not particularly. Uh, <laughs> I've been suckered by those not free refills many times. Exactly. I don't know if they people know this, but it. Nick will obviously agree with me. When you tour in the UK, if you go to like McDonald's, if you get a large drink, it's the size of a medium drink in America, and there's no ice, and you don't get a refill. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's probably better. But, like, oh. I... Better for my enjoyment or for my body? And what are we really going for here? I mean, true. Like, you know, I'd rather drink all the soda. Yeah, definitely. Screw everything else. But, uh, well, good. Well, then, why bother? This isn't very good. Everyone should download that. Give Nick all of your money or at least your love and download it for free. But you should pay for it because Nick is a professional musician. Sometimes. Sometimes. But thank you for coming on our show. Well, thanks for having me. Now we're going to go discuss some pop culture things. What? And then I am going to go watch Dillinger 4. So whatever you're doing tonight, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, well, cool, dude. <laughs> well, we're at, the, we're at the fest right now. Ah, uh, uh, you're, you're one of those. You know, the everyone's down there and I'm not. You just tore with the, you just tore with the day to remember all time low and pierce the veil, and I'm about to go see Dillinger Four. So someone here fucked up. Yeah, tell me about it. And I don't know which one of us fucked up because you're making a lot more money than I am. But I'm going to see Dillinger Four, so to to be determined. Well, I, mean, I, I, mean, I haven't seen Dillinger Four in uh, I don't even know how long it's been. Probably since like 2008. Oh. So what's the next, man? What's the next? All right, Nick. Well, you have a good night, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I'll listen to it. I like uh, that idea that, like, well, that he likes, like, Rock from the Crypt and all that kind of stuff. It's 
good to have uh, yeah, think, people out there making that type of music. Yeah, I think you would like it a lot, and it's just so different from their normal demographic. And I don't think Nick has any say in the Wonder Years or any of their decisions, so he can't really help much with anybody. So well, fuck I, don't, you, Nick. I don't know why you're sucking his dick so bad, then. I'm not sucking anybody's penis. <laughs> You always assume that Roddy's gonna come out or something, but uh. Oh, old old Roddy. So, let's get into pop culture before we're done today, because a lot of good things have happened this week besides Ja Rule's cookbook. Yeah, like maybe the fact that there's a, there's gonna be a sequel to Olympus has fallen. How <laughs> is there a sequel to a movie about the White House being taken over? Uh, it's called London Has Fallen, and Gerard Butler <laughs> has to go stop the terrorists in London now. That's not real. Yeah, it is. It's real. It's happening. And I liked Olympus Has Fallen, but that's absurd. Yeah, I don't really understand it at all. Also, can well, we did... talk about the fact that some girl that's in eighth grade wrote a journal and DreamWorks bought the rights to it for $300,000? Well, a journal? Yeah, like her own personal journal. What is the... DreamWorks going to do with it? Make it into a movie and also two books. You should go ahead and kill me if you'd like. <laughs> That's okay. I've actually I had that problem when I like that that angered me when I read it earlier this week because I was just like I was like why does a fifteen year old need three hundred thousand dollars for a journal? Can't you just wouldn't it be faster and cheaper to go on like a live journal type website or a Tumblr? And pay somebody fifty bucks for the rights to whatever you wanted on there. Three hundred thousand yeah, I mean, dollars is like a lot of money for a fifteen-year-old. Right. I've never paid a fifteen-year-old three hundred thousand dollars for anything. How much have you paid a fifteen-year-old, and what for? Oh, uh, in like a hundred and ten. Hundred ten thousand or hundred ten dollars. Hundred ten dollars. For what? Wash my car. You paid a 15-year-old $110 to wash your car. Yeah, it was at one of those charity things. I don't know what you're thinking about. Yeah, I don't believe This you. isn't like some weird thing, Ryan. I don't know what your problem is today. I have no problem. Uh, but, okay, those movie choices are awful. And I was going to say, my favorite, favorite news item this week. Yeah. Is that Guy, Guy Fieri in the ultimate of douchebagginess, got into a physical altercation, I believe, with his hairstylist. Is that right? Yeah, his, uh, with um, his hairdresser, Ariel Ramirez. And I actually, in a minute, have a very special surprise for us that you don't know about. But until then, let's discuss this. Um, he got... <laughs> first of all, Guy Fieri's hair, he just bleaches it and then puts a bunch of gel in it and spikes it up and then is a pervert, from all I can tell. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I'd call him a pervert necessarily, but... He seems like a pervert. Uh, I mean, no, yeah, if I saw a guy that looked like him walking down the street, I would automatically assume that he was paying a 15-year-old well, $110 to wash and... his car. What What did you just say? I said I'd automatically assume he was paying a 15-year-old $110 to wash his car. Uh, anyways, <laughs> just by the way he looks, I think he's a pervert. And if you watch his show, he's just as creepy. Like everything he says, like I picture him between takes, he's like, 
Oh, that that burger you gave me was good. But what about them titties? <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe uh, I am. But hold on. Hold on. I'll but be actually. I'll be back. I uh, there's somebody knocking at my door. Oh, okay. So I mean, yeah, that's what sucks is Diners, Drive-In, and Dives is a great show, but it's such a shitty host and guy. If you restaurants all. Hello. Hey. Justin. Hey, brother. Who is this? Guy Fieri from Food Network. Oh, hey, how you doing? We're just talking about you. Yeah, I was listening to podcasts in my car, Camaro, driving across the United States. Uh, yeah, you do that. You go to a lot of restaurants, yeah? Yeah, Triple D. If it's funky, we'll find it. Why, why are you in Justin's house? I heard you guys were talking about me. Yeah, we, we were, actually, um... This works out. I have a few questions to ask you. Yeah, all right, buddy. You have a, a successful TV show. Yeah, couple of them actually. Guys, Big Bite, Triple D, and I got that one with Rachel Ray where all the kids are cooking. Yeah. Um. What do you think about Rachel Ray? Oh, you know, just show me those titties. That's what I've been asking for all these years. Uh, I meant like more like about the cooking in the show. Cooking's fine, but she didn't show me those titties. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, let's move on. Um, you have successful restaurants, but also you just opened a restaurant in Times Square, which has gotten blasted, actually, with negative reviews. How do you respond to that? Hey, you know, buddy, not everything's for everybody. That's what I always say. I mean, I can't force my okay, I can't uh, force my potato drop soup on everybody. No, I don't think you should force any food on anybody, really, but I mean... Uh... It's fine, I guess. Uh, what do you think about gay marriage? Oh, you know, I mean, me and that guy from Smash Mouth have messed around a little bit once in a while, but uh, we're not really going to get serious and get married or anything, and I don't really see the point in it. That's kind of against God's plan. Right. Um, that, that's about the answer I would expect. Do you, uh... I just, okay, I'm just going to get straight with you, Okay. All right. Justin and I were talking. Um, whenever I watch your show, Diners, Triple D, it, I, I like all the places you go. You seem kind of like a creepy pervert. Brother, I just like what I like, you know? Yeah, anybody in the world could say the same thing. That doesn't really answer what I'm saying. Have you ever uh, tried like, look, to maybe... Look, man, if I can eat a hamburger and get some, getting some little panties there, it's kind of nice, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, hey, look, who doesn't want a taco with a side of taco? You know what I mean, buddy? Oh, my gosh. Come on, brother. Uh, uh, okay, no. You, you know, know I mean, I'm saying, when I say it, it's funky, we'll find it. That ain't just talking about the food. Oh, it's talking about tacos. That's right. Well. I can sniff uh, them out. I sniff out that funk. Come okay, on, brother. You know uh, what I mean, brother. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. But let me let am me I, finish. Uh, what? Am I being out of bounds? A little bit, yeah. You're being. I mean, it's kind of creepy. Hey, brother, it's just Guy Fieri for you. <laughs> yeah, you're just a little outrageous. I know. I get it. Um, let me ask you. So, in between uh, commercials and shooting on the show, have you ever hit on any of the women working at the restaurants? Have you ever hit on them? Every single one. Every single one. Playing the odds, man. 
And also, why is it that whenever I feel like there's a homosexual cooker in a restaurant, you seem almost creeped out by them and stay away? Well, you know, God forbid is just a little scared of his own insecurities. Okay. And I'm afraid that the guy from Smash Mouth might find out. His name's Steve. Yeah. You guys look a lot alike. Yeah, we fuck a lot alike too, you know what I mean? No, I, I don't know what you mean. Come on, actually. brother. Come on, brother. Uh, okay, what's uh, what's your favorite drink recipe? Well, I'll tell you what. If you take a if you take a, a fryer full of lard and you drop a whole potato in it, let it fry up, then you scoop the potato out and fill a glass with the potato and the lard and drink it. Now that's a good funky that cocktail. That literally is not not a drink. That's a good funky cocktail, brother. That's literally not a cocktail or a drink, nor is there any alcohol, nor could you even drink it. All right, all right, okay. You caught me. That's actually a recipe from my potato drop soup. But hey, you already talked about that. Go yeah, on. it's my favorite recipe, brother. Okay. What I like, actually, probably my favorite drink, is the taco shot. Uh, right, okay. Go, what is that? It's when you take a bottle of Jack Daniels, you pour it in a bitch's pussy, and then you drink it out. Uh, the best thing to do with that is if you got an ice luge at a place, you make her stand up at the top and pee it down on you. So, basically, it's just pee mixed with Jack Daniels? Yeah. Ain't that sound good? Taco shots, brother. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, I just want to wrap this up. Just a few more questions, if you don't mind. All right. Uh, are you actually even a good chef? How are you famous? I've never even cooked in my whole life. Oh. Uh, but I've seen you cook on, on television before. That's not me. Who is it then, exactly? It's Steve from Smash Mouth. Oh, so what do you do, exactly? I just go around and eat cheeseburgers and pussy. Okay, uh, I think I think we could probably wrap it up here. Unless, I mean, is there anything you'd like to add to this? Well, I just want to say that I think that that guy in the car the other day I got in a fight with, he was overreacting. Oh, your hairdresser. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I just think he was overreacting. That was to the, the whole, whole thing. reason we actually started talking about you in the first place. I just all I did was uh, kick him out of the car because he was making fun of my gravy foot. Your what? My gravy foot. Your gravy foot? It's a condition. Which would be what? You eat too much gravy, it collects in your foot. It's kind of like gout. Oh, um, I think maybe with a hairdresser, you overreacted. I don't know if you can really blame it on him. Yeah, I can. You weren't in that car. You don't know, brother. Okay, well, I mean, the media is portraying you in a very negative spotlight in the situation, and they're coming down pretty hard on you for being kind of an idiot. They don't know about my personal struggles with my medical condition. Yeah, but what about just you being an asshole? Well, let's see. If you had gravy foot, how would you act? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So why are you guys being all presumptuous, brother? I don't think gravy foot is a real thing. And I yeah, actually you, just you guys it up. act like Gaffietti's out of bounds. You guys are all out of bounds. Who, the world? Yeah, everybody. Okay, cool. I just looked up gravy foot, and it's actually not a real thing. It it's a real exist. thing. 
I use no. it in some of my recipes. No. no, it doesn't. It's not real. I use it at the, my restaurant. What? What is that exactly? At Tex Wasabi's. Gravy foot stew. I basically just put a bunch of shit in a pot and cut my foot open on top of it. Oh, that is illegal, I think. <laughs> you know, Guy Fieri does a lot of questionable things. Oh, could you name one or two more before we're done here? Yeah, I could. One okay. time, I put my son, Hunter, in the kitchen and made him cook for everybody at the restaurant. And I fired all the rest of the staff. How old is he? Twelve. Okay, that's illegal. Uh, and one more. What's, what's illegal about that? Kids gotta work, gotta learn, learn, learn responsibility. Okay, uh, if, you, if your son could grow up to be like anything, what do you want him to be like as an adult? Like me, Gaffietti. I want him to go sniff out that funk and find it. Okay. Pussy hound, uh, you know? I want him to be a pussy hound. What was that? I want him to be a pussy hound. Which means what exactly? Just what I said, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, when thank, thank when I was at the by. University of Las Vegas, I had sex with a hobo in the middle of the student kitchen, and then I put him in the oven. <laughs> oh, um, why are you telling me this? You wanted to know two things about me that were questionable. That's not questionable. That is just straight up rape and murder, I think. No, the sex was consensual. I'm not too sure about that. Yeah, you shouldn't be, brother. <laughs> I was just okay. kidding. Okay, <laughs> uh, thanks for stopping by. What are your plans for tonight? It's a, it's, it's a Saturday night. What's, uh, what are you doing? I'm going to get in my Camaro. I'm going to cruise down to Blue Ash Chili and have my famous guy's six-way. And it has jalapeno poppers and bacon on it. And then I'm going to get one of those waitresses to give me a taco shot. Okay, and then uh, how do you get off? It doesn't seem like you really get off at the end of the night. Oh, I don't have a dick. Excuse me? <laughs> I don't have a dick. All right, well, uh, thanks for stopping Guy. Uh, by Guy Fieri. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll definitely plug you uh, on the Twitter and the Facebook, and uh, really appreciate you stopping by. Please don't ever, ever come back. All right, I'll see you next week. No, please, no. All right, brother, if it's funky, we'll find it. All right, bye-bye. I gotta go get my bowling shirt ironed. Uh, well. Why was, why, okay, why did right, Guy Fieri my, just run down my steps? What? Why did Guy Fieri just come running down my steps? I, I don't know, but I'll tell you, you have a weird cast of people that come into your house when I'm out of town. I'll tell you that well, much I right now. I don't really understand anything that's going on. There's like four plates of bacon with lettuce wrapped around them. Yeah, that's his, uh, that's his new creation. Um, oh. It's not new, nor is it a creation, but there it is. Also, there's a Jack Daniels ball here that smells really bad. Oh, that's the stank right there, my friend. That's the stank. Oh, I don't know. What did you guys talk about? He's kind of a pervert. We were right. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so... Maybe uh, you should go hang out with Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, definitely Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> How do you, uh, so... This has been a fun episode. I've had a good time. I think our biggest and best yet. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, I'm very excited. Well, uh, there's one, one thing that we forgot to talk about that we need to talk about because it's, bother, it's bothering the shit out of me. The okay. uh, new Eminem song. 
This will be a good way to end the podcast this yeah. week. Let's, uh, yeah. Go ahead and give the synopsis to everybody that doesn't know. So there's a new Eminem song. I'll post the video on the Tumblr. Uh, it's called Bad Man. It's from the Marshall Mathers LP2, um, which is good to have a sequel, what, 13 years later to an album. Uh, well, I was going to say, before we finish that, uh, we were talking earlier, and I, I think taking your most popular album you've ever had and making a sequel to it is such a dangerous, dangerous idea. It totally is. It's ridiculous. It's a, it's a really stupid thing. I mean, the only way that you can really do it is if you have concept albums, and he doesn't make concept albums. Or a condom, yeah, exactly, or a concept album. A condom? The only way you can do it is if you have a concept album, right? I agree, and this this one doesn't tell a story. No, you said that if you have a condom. Also, what would a oh. sequel to a condom be? I don't really... No, no, a concept. Um, okay, well, I don't, mean, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Maybe you just slipped up or something. Um... Yeah, so yeah, I don't, I don't he he made this song that is also on this album is a sequel to his song Stan, which everybody remembers Ugh. because it was on the radio all the time and is one of the more annoying songs ever made. And Joaquin Phoenix is in the video, I think, uh, or Joaquin. Is, Phoenix I'm gonna say though, whether annoying or not, at least at that time, it was a creative song. Yeah, it was. It was definitely, you know, it examined uh, what the the perils of uh, having obsessed fans or something, or I guess it was supposed to be a statement on art, like being an artist and writing something and pe- having people interpret it wrong. Um, right. So he made a sequel on this album called Bad Man, and what it is is at first you think that he's talking about he's going to kill his ex-wife, like... It's Eminem talking about the same thing he's been talking about. Oh, he's never talked about that. Yeah, no, never. Maybe he'll talk about his daughter too. Um, I think I think my daddy's gone crazy. (laughs) Oh God, stop. Um, So he he talks about that, and then all of a sudden it kind of turns around to where he's actually not Eminem. It's actually the brother of Stan from the original song sneaking into Eminem's house and going to kill him. Which is funny because Eminem, you know, by all accounts is a paranoid kind of bipolar person who, now that he has money, probably lives in like a gated community in a giant house with a lot of protection around him. So, I would imagine. But the way that he describes it, it's basically just like a suburban home that this guy walks into and like stabs him. And then I'm takes sure it's his... that easy, yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously. So, it's essentially like he's paying for whatever they they through one part of the verse he explains that you know he's basically that he's Stan's brother and that he's gay and he doesn't appreciate what Eminem made his brother do and what you know and what he's said about gay people and all this stuff so that song the actual song bad man isn't more than I think it's like two minutes but then it goes into this like Second part of the song, I guess it would be like, I don't know if it's the next movement of the song or something like that, where it's him explaining, or it's kind of like him apologizing for being misogynistic and homophobic while still being misogynistic and homophobic. So it's it's like the Attila syndrome. Yeah, exactly. It's the same kind of thing. But he goes through this whole thing of just like saying, you know, 
how he did this and you know it's the demons in his head that made him do this and blah 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 and it just comes off as like the fakest fucking bullshit that I've ever heard like it's as fake if not more fake than his duet with Elton John at the VMAs that one year oh, like yeah. just a publicity stunt to make people think that he actually gives a shit what people think about him or that he's changed or whatever because ultimately all he's doing in this song is just saying that um, it's not his fault that he acted like that. He realizes he was wrong, but it was something in his head that made him act that way. And so, right. you know, and it's just a big cop out because there's, if you want to honor gay people or women or whatever in your song and actually move things forward in a positive direction, instead of using this song to make yourself seem better than other people like it's like self-aggrandizement but there's better ways to do it i mean he's a really good lyricist and rapper he should be able to come up with something better than just that thing because there's like people who are less than him like macklemore who's not that you know not as good of a rapper as eminem but he has that same love song you know that's about like gay marriage and about like taking a stand for that kind of thing which yeah, is, I don't even like that song, but I think the song gets the message perfectly conveyed. Yeah, I and agree. And the fact that yeah. it's a single, I think, is awesome because it's cool to slide that got in the radio, which never would have happened a few years ago. Yeah, instead, uh, it, it, yeah, it definitely wouldn't have. And I think, I mean, I applaud him for doing anything like that because, especially in absolutely in hip hop itself, is like really hard to get that across, like at all. You oh can, yeah, you oh, know, because yeah. it's such a homophobic place, and and people are like completely in the closet. So, you know, a lot of, I mean, there's, you know, there's gotta be a shit ton of rappers that are actually totally gay, but they can't admit it because it destroys their career or whatever. But true. Like, but that's the thing is like, that's the difference is there's a single by this guy who made himself into what he is. And it's, you know, a touching thing. It's nice of him to do. And it's an actual gesture and a positive way to go about things, you know? like a really positive message and everything. And then you have a millionaire who still acts like he's not making a thing that says, Oh God, someone's going to kill me one day because of the things I say. And I'm sorry, but it wasn't actually me. It was the demons in my head that made me feel this way and act this way towards people. And it's like, bullshit, dude, you fucking have so many people that listen to you. If you made a statement, an actual heartfelt statement about, that thing and it was actually important to you, they would listen. If things might actually change, but instead all it is is poor me, poor me, poor me. I agree. I think cop out's the best word. And before I'm gonna preface this, I think that Eminem is one of the most talented lyricists writers of all time in the history of rap. Mm-hmm. I think the way that he words things and the way he raps and his flow is unparalleled by very many people. Um, his talent is obviously amazingly there. No one can deny that. My main problem, other than the fact that just a lot of times I just don't like his voice, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But regardless of that, I think my main problem is always that, and this this doesn't affect the way he raps or how good he is, so it's not like, oh, he's not good because of this. He just always came across to me as like the Disney version of Anarchy, or it was like, I don't give a fuck, mister, I don't give a fuck, I don't give a fuck. But then the other half of his songs basically made excuses for everything so he didn't seem that bad. And it always just seemed like 
you don't give a fuck, but here's why I still give a fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it just always seemed not really good together, and that's fine. I mean, I like a lot of Eminem songs, a lot I don't like. I'm curious about the new record, but he just always seemed a lot safer than he acted, and I think that, though, in itself is exactly why he got so big, is that it seemed so dangerous on the outside at the time. Mm -hmm. And that even being said, he came along at a time with all the boy bands and stuff. You know, I'm glad he came along when he did, and I think he opened up doorways for a lot of people that deserved it, including him. I mean, he's very talented. Yeah, but so I'm not gonna bash Eminem in general. But what you're saying, I completely agree with, is that he's like this self-apologetic, blame it on my demons, blame it on the pills. Yeah, but I'm still this crazy killer, and it just it doesn't fit together to me. It doesn't work together. No, because it's like I, this is my problem with a lot of like artists and art stuff and and whatever else is that if you have an opinion or a belief or whatever, then stick to it and state it. Like I'll respect you a lot more if you say, look, I don't like gay people. They just gross me out, whatever. Then if you have to make all these excuses as to why things are wrong or what's wrong or, you know what I mean? Like I'd much rather hear somebody who sticks to what they say and does what they say and examines things. And maybe then they change because they actually believe in something as opposed to just, uh, you know what? I still hate gay people, but I'm going to act like I don't so I can make more money. And then also, uh, can, then I can just blame it on something else that it isn't, you know, instead yeah, of can, actually standing up and agree. saying like, look, I just don't like gay people. That's me. I'm Eminem. Sorry. You know, I agree. hundred percent agree. So, I mean, I guess next week we should talk about the album it comes out on Tuesday. I'll definitely listen to it. I'm curious. Yeah. I'll listen to it. I, I mean, mean, yeah. Marshall Mathers, LP is one of the biggest records literally in the history of music. Yeah. So that in of itself, which I guess is the point is he already hooked me is that, uh, I will listen to it cause I'm curious. Yeah. I'm definitely curious to see what he presents, but so far, like nothing off of it has been like mind blowing or even all that good. Really? No, I agree. I'm curious. Next week. I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about, the new video game consoles and how I'm mad at myself because I want a PS4 and I should have pre-ordered one. So now I'm just going to have to hope that my local Kmart has one. <laughs> what? You can't like call somebody at like GameStop that, you know, not anymore. Most of them aren't there and they're sold out everywhere. Oh, are they? I didn't even know. I didn't everywhere. follow it because I wasn't going to buy one until like next year anyway. Cause I just want, I want one that's like not going to have all the bugs and kinks and shit. Yeah. I like the kinks. Understandable. But, I, uh, I know you. Yeah, um, you do. On that note, um, this has been a blast. I'm so happy that we had Nick and Eric Griffin come. Yeah. Uh, Eric was a blast. Yeah, it was great. To talk about a lot of things. And next week, we're going to have even more special guests, and we're going to work on it. And I thank you so much, everybody that listens. Please tell all your friends about Big Snackers. Um, rate us. I really can't explain how much it means because we're having a blast doing it. Yeah, it's been great so far. I think everybody uh, actually keep asking questions on. Um, Please, on yeah, Tumblr. go to our Tumblr, ask questions because we love to talk and respond to people and ask whatever you want. Ask why we suck, why we're fat, or why we do what we do. Oh, somebody asked another question, but I think it was just somebody who knows you. They're anonymous, and they asked what, whatever, what happened to Tim. I think they mean Tim from Small Time Crooks. I believe. Uh, he lives in an apartment that costs uh, $83 a month. He still lives there? 
yeah. Oh, well, good for him. Um, so, yeah, once we sign off here, Justin, stay on the line for a second. I want to tell you something sweet. Uh, I don't even want to know what's going to happen now. <laughs> but uh, thank you, everyone, for week eight, uh, two months of Big Snackers. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode and a brand new style. So keep it fresh, keep it good, keep it sexy, and have a good Saturday night, folks. Yeah, brother, got to... If it's fucking, we'll find it, you know? <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye.